Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Our lesson this morning is from John chapter 13. Listen for the word of God. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it in the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless you, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. After he had washed their feet and had put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Please be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If I've learned one thing in 12 years of ministry, it's that people have very strong reactions to foot washing. Some people love it. Most people, I would venture to say about 80%, hate it. Nobody is neutral on the matter. I happen to be in the camp of really loving a good foot washing service. Each year during Holy Week, I either plan one for the community I'm part of or I make it to a point to attend one somewhere. At one church I served, their tradition on Monday Thursday, the night that Jesus had the Last Supper and washed the disciples' feet, was to have a community meal in the fellowship hall. They would get anywhere from 70 to 80 people every Holy Week showing up to this meal. I thought, well, let's change it up this year and we'll do a foot washing service instead in the sanctuary and remember that part of the Holy Week story. We had 12 people show up. 
my heart sank uh, because a large group of people now weren't participating in Holy Week. I tried to convince myself that 12 was a good biblical number, so it was okay. That's how many disciples Jesus had, but my heart did sink some. People don't like to touch each other's feet, which I respect, and they particularly don't like it when a pastor makes them do it, which is fair enough. We just heard this Bruce tell the story of when Jesus does wash his disciples' feet. It is the very last night of his life, the next day he faces the cross. Now at that time, people's feet were particularly gross. People used their feet a lot. They walked everywhere they went. And the roads were dusty and rough. People weren't wearing supportive shoes. Some people didn't wear shoes at all or they were wearing sandals. So their feet were sore and they were dirty. It was a real joy and a relief to have your feet washed after the end of a long day. It was typical as someone entered a home in the evening before they sat down for dinner for a household servant to come and to wash their feet. But here in this story, The order is all off because this group has already eaten together in what we now call the Last Supper, and the one washing their feet is not a household servant. It's the Savior. The disciples are shocked. They're surprised. They believe that Jesus was too good, too much of a teacher, too important to love them this way, to touch their dirty feet. But Jesus says, this is my job because I am here to serve, to show you love in the palm of my hands. I am a servant, not just in word, but in deed also. So he fills up a basin with water, puts a towel over his shoulder. He begins to remove Peter's shoes. He pours the water over his feet and he rubs the towel over them to clean them off. Then he says, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. You also, Jesus says, ought to wash one another's feet. You, my disciples, should serve as I serve, humbly, gently, lovingly, and concrete and tangible ways that make a real difference. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable, Jesus says, and he does. This is a story we usually tell and hear during Holy Week, that very last week of Jesus's life. We start with Palm Sunday and that triumphant entry into Jerusalem, where we remember that Jesus came in on a donkey when crowds were waving palm branches. That quickly turns to denial and betrayal and abandonment. We walk with Jesus as he shares in the Last Supper with his disciples. He washes their feet. And ultimately, the next day on Good Friday is nailed to the cross. Three days later, we come back into the sanctuary and shout and sing hallelujah on Easter morning as he rises from the grave and we celebrate that gift of eternal and abundant life that is for us and is for the whole world.
Holy Week upsets the order of things. Jesus upsets the order of things. The Christian life at its very core disrupts the order of things. Because death turns to life, violence to peace, swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. The first become last and the last become first. God promises that the lowly will be exalted and that the hungry will be filled up with good things. Despair turns to resurrection and our savior becomes a servant. How do we serve as Jesus serves? We serve one another. We wash each other's feet. Now don't worry, I'm not about to haul in the basins and the towels and the pitchers of water and turn this into an impromptu foot washing service. There's no need for you to run out the back door this morning. But I do love this story. I love the intimacy of what Jesus is sharing with those who he's been doing life and ministry with so closely. It's a gentle and a simple act, but it has a dramatic impact. I love that we find this story lodged in the most significant week of Jesus's life, the most significant week of the Christian year, when the world experiences the greatest story ever told. That side by side with the miracle of resurrection, we find Jesus sitting on the floor with a towel and a basin, washing dirty feet. Serve as I serve, he says. You too, wash one another's feet. Care for each other gently and humbly and lovingly in concrete and tangible ways. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable, he says, and he shows. Today is the second week in our August series, Serve as Jesus Serves, and our focus is on how we serve each other in Christian community. And as people who make this our church home, who covenant to love God through SSUMC and this time and place, we ask the question, how do we serve one another as Jesus serves us? Well, you heard those beautiful examples read beautifully by our youth, testimonies to how you care for each other here and now. My guess is if we pass the mic around, we could hear story after story from every single pew. We'd be here until the sun sets. I've only been here a month and a half, and I could share story after story that you have told me that I have heard. I myself has experienced your love and your care and your grace from cards and prayers before we started to the ways that you stocked the parsonage, our home, you stocked our fridge, gave us all the needed supplies when we moved in, brought us flowers on the first day, the way that you love for my children so unconditionally. These are ways we make God's love tangible and concrete for each other, how we become the hands and feet of Christ for each other. When I think about care and Christian community, I think about Anne. I was pastor of a church in Midtown Atlanta, and one of the Sunday school classes there is called the Loyalty Class, and they certainly live up to their name. They had been gathering at this church for 50 years in some form or another, and this was a group, most of whom had been part of this class for that whole time. They started in young adulthood when they all lived in Midtown, 
and then they journeyed together through life's ups and downs, marriages and children and divorce, health crises, the loss of parents and spouses. They celebrated one another's joys. Well, Anne and her husband Tom had been part of that class since nearly the beginning, but somewhere in their adult life, they moved from Midtown Atlanta to Calhoun. Now, that is practically in Tennessee, but every single Sunday, Anne and Tom would continue to drive to Midtown Atlanta for Sunday school and for church. I never knew Tom because he died tragically and unexpectedly a few years before I got to that church. Now, Anne didn't know how to drive. Tom always did the driving. She never took a lesson in her life, never got her driver's license. So her Sunday school class, the loyalty class, on top of caring for her in all the ways that you do and the immediacy of grief, when she settled into her new normal without Tom, made a commitment of their own volition without talking to her about it, that they would pick her up every single Sunday morning. They made a rotation. Somebody would drive all the way to Calhoun, pick her up, bring her down for Sunday school class, and then somebody else after church would commit to drive her back, and then they would drive home. They did this for a year and a half every single Sunday. Remarkably, at 70, Anne decided she was going to get her driver's license. So she took a driver's test, she passed, and by the time I got there, she was driving herself. Serve as I serve, Jesus says. You too wash one another's feet. Care for each other humbly and gently, lovingly, in concrete and tangible ways. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. The loyalty class was a witness to me about what it means to serve as Jesus serves. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of visiting the men's group that meets here every Tuesday morning at 7.30 in the conference room. I was grateful for the invitation, especially because when I walked in the room, they said, oh, this is a first. We've never had a woman in this space before. We primarily spent our time with me just getting to know the people in the room and hearing what this group had meant to them in their own life and their own faith journey. And the specific stories told there, they're not my stories, and they're certainly not mine to tell. But as I heard them speak and reflected on my experience, I said to them, and I've said to others since, I said, this is church. This is, at its core, what it means to be followers of Jesus. They told stories of how week after week they show up, and they grow spiritually with one another. They challenge each other. They also make a lot of room for grace and for love and for light to flow in. They're not afraid to be vulnerable. They serve together both at the church and outside the church. And they always want to include new people. There have been people there who are there for decades and people who have come in in the last couple of years and the last couple of months. If you're looking for a group like that, they would love to have you. They want to make sure that this is available for new people to come and to have this kind of experience. Serve as I serve, Jesus says. You too wash one another's feet. Care for each other humbly and gently and lovingly in concrete and tangible ways. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable in the midst of that. Last week, you know, if you were here, our theme was serve as Jesus serves, serve at the table. We explored the ways that Jesus calls us to join with each other by sharing meals and how in the midst of that, we know Jesus and the breaking of the bread. 
So often we care for one another in concrete, tangible act of sharing in a meal. We become the hands and feet of Jesus when we serve up macaroni and cheese, when we pour sweet tea. I'll never forget being at my parents' house the night that my grandmother had died very early that morning. People had started to gather, family from down the block, but also people from all over the country who had flown in. We were sad and tired. We were grateful to be together. And then, of course, as the evening drew on, we became hungry. My mother, of course, had had no bandwidth um, to cook or to provide food for us that were there. And suddenly someone from my parents' church showed up, and he had a big platter of Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets, a big tray of fruit and lemonade. And it felt like manna from God. It seems like a simple act, but it was a miracle to all of us that evening. Serve as I serve, Jesus says. You too, wash one another's feet. Care for each other humbly and gently and lovingly in tangible ways. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I think I love the story of foot washing so much because it is concrete. It's tangible. Resurrection is indeed the greatest gift that the world has ever known, but it can be hard to talk about. It can be hard to understand, which is why in the very week of Jesus' death and resurrection, the cross and the empty tomb, he engages in concrete, tangible acts. He eats a meal with his disciples and says, do this every time that you eat and that you drink daily in remembrance of me. He washes their feet and says, do this for and with one another as often as you can. When we care for each other concretely, that is when we see glimpses of resurrection here on earth, of life, of abundant love, of grace and mercy beyond anything we could ask for or imagine. We may not be able to describe resurrection coherently with words, but we do know how to show up. And we show God's gift of new life to each other and casseroles and prayer shawls and rides to the doctor and notes received in the midst of grief and backpack blessings and intercessory prayer gatherings and confirmation mentors and invitations to join a United Methodist Women's Circle. Christian community is far from perfect. I'm not going to stand up here and idealize it. Nadia Boltzweber, who's a Lutheran pastor based in Colorado, always says when a new person joins her church, she says, before you join, I need you to know this. We will disappoint you. She says, I, as your pastor, will disappoint you. I will make mistakes. This community is going to make mistakes. You, as you join and become part of this community, you'll probably make some mistakes too. But that is when God's beauty and love and mystery shows up so profoundly, when we know that we're not perfect, but we engage in love and try to love each other the best ways we can in spite of that, maybe because of that. And in the midst of that, God and Christian community flourish. Because another reason I love this story so much, Jesus washes his disciples' feet knowing knowing that that very night, one of them will betray him, will turn him into the authorities which will lead to his death. 
One of them will deny him, Peter, whose feet we know he washes, not one time, not two times, but three times before the cock crows the next morning. And yet, Jesus still washes their feet. He serves them without asking anything in return. He serves us not because we are worthy or deserve it or have somehow earned the right to his love, but because that's who he is. It is his very nature to be a servant. We are not Jesus. We're not going to love and care for each other perfectly. We're going to let each other down. We'll be too afraid sometimes to be vulnerable or to ask for help. But when we gather in Christian community, when we keep showing up for each other, we see glimpses of resurrection. And our world that tells us everything we have we must earn or deserve or somehow be worthy of, Jesus breaks in and disrupts that logic. The good news is that with God, life is not about what we deserve. Life is about grace and love and light by the very fact of being God's beloved children. The Christian life at its very core disrupts the order of things. Death turns to life. Violence turns to peace. Swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Death turns to life. The first become last, and the last shall become first. God promises that the lowly will be exalted and that the hungry will be filled up with good things. Our cries of despair are met with resurrection. And our Savior, the Savior of the whole world, becomes a servant. Thanks be to God. Amen. As you go from this place, leave with this blessing. Go forth knowing and believing that you are loved, that God serves us unconditionally. As we know this truth, may we be emboldened and empowered to live out of that good news by being the hands and feet of Christ for each other. Go forth with his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.